In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. Fun, 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 fun. Light speed to the wondrous and wonderful. Cover is not the book, so open it up and take a look. Ah, if it isn't the only bookworm in town. What's that word again? Inspired. I have to sing. I have to play. The music, it's, it's not just in me. It is me. We're happier when you don't sing. Welcome to Notably Disney your ultimate podcast covering Disney music and books. I'm Brett Nackman, your host. Here we dig a little deeper and explore the great wide somewhere about everything under the Walt Disney Company umbrella as it pertains to tunes and writing, from the theme parks and television screens to the Broadway stage and the silver screen, if it relates to anything Disney songs, soundtracks, books, articles, or other things that you can listen to, or read about involving Disney, we'll examine it here. The opportunity to talk with an amazing composer is not something that I take lightly, and it is with great pleasure that today on Notably Disney, I bring you a conversation with composer Harry Gregson Williams, whose work is vast, whose talent is immense, and whose impact on Disney is quite significant. Um, and as you'll learn from this discussion, we cover primarily his work for Mulan, but also some of his early Disney musical roots uh, and, all, and even uh, emergent work with Disney nature, which is kind of exciting. So uh, also I want to bring into uh, note is that there actually were a few audio issues uh, during the interview, and I've tried to edit that out to the best of my ability. Unfortunately, that came at the cost of taking out a few minutes of the conversation with Harry, um, but I do not believe that the removal um, of that because of those audio issues will diminish the overall quality of the conversation. So now let me turn it over to that conversation. Composer Harry Gregson Williams' decades of scores is scattered across films of all genres, from sci-fi in The Martian, which is one of my favorite piece of, pieces of work of his, uh, to animated comedy in Shrek alongside John Powell. His work within the world of Disney dates back to serving on Muppet Treasure Island in 1996. And since he has worked on projects including scoring the Tigger movie, the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, Prince of Persia, the Sands of Time, and very recently, Disney Nature's Penguins. And his newest score for The Mouse House is perhaps what I feel, uh, maybe the most epic and, and romantic as well, which is the 2020 reimagining of Mulan. And today on Notably Disney, Harry joins me to discuss his career with Disney and unveil all of the inner workings behind scoring Mulan. Uh, it is an absolute honor to have you on the podcast, Harry. Welcome. Thanks, Brett. Thanks. Well, 
there are so many places where we could get started. And I, I certainly want to um, orient listeners with some of your Disney background. And as I mentioned during the intro, it essentially commenced in working with uh, your mentor, Hans Zimmer, on Muppet Treasure Island. Can you, yeah. talk, can you talk about your role on, on that project and your fondest memories of, of that film? Well, um, that, 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 yes, that was the first film that I worked on um, after I came on the slow boat over to, over to Los Angeles from, from London, England. Um, I'd met Hans the year before, 1995, in London. He was doing, um, I forget what he was doing now. I think he was doing Crimson Tide for Tony Scott. Um, and I, I, I happened to be introduced to him and I, I worked on that with him. Um, and we became fast friends. And uh, he invited me over to LA to, to be his musical assistant at that time. He had um, the outgoing musical assistant, if you like, was, um, who was kind of graduating, um, was Nick Glennysmith, a really good composer who'd, who'd worked as uh, Hans's composing assistant for a few years and was ready to spread his wings. And uh, so I guess it left a, a vacancy um, and Hans asked me if I, I wanted to fill it. Uh, I didn't hesitate. I mean, back then I, I, I was his only composing assistant. He, he uh, you know, has one or two now, nowadays, uh, things have grown for him. But at that time it was, um, yeah, Hans had uh, uh, a composing assistant, a technical assistant who, who was a chap called Mark Streitenfeld who went on to compose scores himself, um, um, a secretary and uh, that was about it. Um, so yeah, I jumped in on Muppet Treasure Island, which he, he felt, um, was a good place for me to start. Um, uh, cause he kind of joined the dots a little bit. I'd spent a lot of my adult life teaching music in park lung places around the world. And, um, so consequently was in touch with, you know, spent my life really with children, inspiring children to, to, to take up music as, as I had when I was a, a kid. Um, and uh, up came this project, um, uh, Muppet Treasure Island. And he said, well, look, listen, if anybody knows how to entertain kids, it should be you after all these years of teaching. So that, that gave me a little confidence. And uh, anyhow, I came over and, yeah, I met Brian Henson. Um, I think his dad had just died, so or, or fairly recently. Um, so, so, yeah, it was Brian was at the helm. And... It was great fun. It was absolutely great fun. Hilarious, really. Hans wrote a brilliant theme. Can't remember it now. Oh yeah, I can. It's in twelve eight. Um, yeah, he wrote a cracking theme, as that chap tends to do. Um, and basically said, "Here you go, run with that for a bit." Um, so, so yeah, that was kind of my introduction to Hollywood film composing, and um, you know, I had great fun. And 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 actually, what followed were. were um, was uh, unexpected and, and certainly the genres were kind of unknown to me at the time uh, in terms of writing music for The Rock, directed by Michael Bay. And then <coughs> the big, I think the biggest movie of, of 1996, was it? Or was it seven? Um, which is Armageddon. Uh, and that went through Touchstone, uh, right. I think. Or, or that was a Disney movie. In, in, yeah, yeah. It didn't sound like it was, but it was. Um, so, you know, from, from then, I... Um, as you mentioned in your intro, actually, because I, I, I wrote uh, what's known as additional music on, on Armageddon, the uh, hierarchy at, uh, in the music department at Disney were um, kind of pleased with me that I'd helped um, Trevor Raven get through that um, 
that Armageddon experience, which was quite an experience, I might say. Um, Jerry Bruckheimer in all his pomp um, and Michael Bay on a roll after The Rock. Um, and um, I remember Hans came into my, my little composing room at his studio one day and said, you know, uh, the best thing that will come out of Armageddon um, is that Disney have agreed to give you your own movie, you know, within a year or so. Um, so I said, oh, great. I couldn't think what it might be. You know, maybe it's like Armageddon 2 or The Rock or one of these big machismo things. Um, it was the Tigger movie. <laughs> Pooh and Piglet <laughs> and Eeyore. And actually, I loved it. I loved it. Uh, and I got to work on that movie. Uh, well, I was about to say I got to work with. I didn't really work with them, but I worked on the same project as them with those venerable brothers, the Sherman brothers, because it turns out that they had written the original songs for that little movie. Now, the Tigger movie, it started out as a, um, as a TV project, I think. It was in the TV department. It wasn't uh, on anybody's radar as a feature film. And I think because it was turning out rather nicely, they thought, oh, let's record this. Let's release this as a feature. And, uh, and so there it was. Um, but the reason that meant so much to me um, meeting those Sherman brothers. Um, and there were two of them. That, uh, uh, I know, I think the older one died shortly after that. I mean, they were both getting up there at that stage, um, certainly in their 80s, I think. Um, but they both attended my recording sessions, which is a great thrill. The reason it meant so much to me is because way back in the dark and distant future, the late 60s, as I grew up in rural England, my dad had this LP of The Jungle Book. Um, I'd never seen the film, The Jungle Book, but by the time I was, hmm, let's say six or seven, uh, my dad had made me and my brothers and sister, now three brothers and sister, um, all completely memorize uh, all the songs from the original Jungle Book movie. And uh, I grew up to absolutely love that music. And I know that the Sherman brothers were responsible for a couple of those songs. So I couldn't believe my luck that I was that quite early on in my um, my sojourn here in Los Angeles and my, my sort of adventure into film music, I got to be, you know, on the same scoring stage as these two old boys who had who had written such uh, such memorable songs um, that were, were a huge part of my childhood, really. Um, so that was wonderful, and you know, I went on to to do many, many, many projects for Disney, and um, as you said in your introduction, you know, that's culminated in me doing the uh, the reimagining of um, of Mulan last year. Um, and that was a great thrill in itself. I mean, it presented a few more, a few more problems to me than, uh, um, or shall we say challenges to me than, than the Tigger movie did. Um, uh, but, you know, hopefully 20 years later, because I don't know, Tigger, it must be 20 years since I did the Tigger movie, 25 yeah. years. But, um, it was 2000, 2000 right, is when okay. it was released. Well, one would hope that I'd learned something in those 20 years and I was able to arm myself with some technique of, of some description in order to, to rise to the challenge of Mulan. But of course, the, it's, you know, the, 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 the background of Mulan, the, the history of it, not only the history of it already being a very, very popular movie, um, but, you know, where, where the where this, the, the, this Mulan comes from is, you know, it's, a, it's an ancient story and, and means a lot to Chinese people. And, and so when Nikki Caro uh, 
involved me in that, you know, the, the responsibility um, of, of trying to find a way of, of, of creating a score that spoke to not just the history of, of, of this being the second movie, uh, uh, you know, a remake of a, a, a really brilliant movie, but really, you know, being able to use the, the ancient uh, instruments and, and uh, these sort of sonic uh, uh, textures that this, this project allowed me to, to get into. So, so that was a, a first for me, you know, um, over the years I've done movies that are based in Persia, like the Prince of Persia actually, which I did for Disney also, but, um, and actually the Kingdom of Heaven I did for Ridley um, back in the late noughties, I think. Um, and that, that, that uh, some of that took place um, when the Crusades uh, hit Jerusalem. So sort of Arabic music or Persian music had, had, had been something I'd had to, uh, to realize a little bit. But in terms of the Chinese influence, I hadn't really been there. In fact, um, another Disney movie, one of my favorite movies I've ever done called Spy Game with Tony Scott. I think that was a Disney movie. Now, that, that, that one of the characters, Brad Pitt, spends quite a long time in a Chinese jail. Uh, and I remember Tony um, Scott saying to me, "H, we need we need something, you know, we need something that comes from China that will that we can play, you know, during the scenes when we're in in this Chinese prison." And uh, I think that was the first time that I came across the Erhu, you know, the Chinese violin, um, right. in terms of trying to write for it. Uh, and strangely enough, um, well, maybe not strangely enough, but when I, the very first cut of Mulan I saw, which is, um, you know, a long cut was Nikki's first cut. So it was very much a rough cut, but it was lovely. It was beautiful. Um, but uh, she had uh, put a bunch of music onto the, uh, uh, into the soundtrack, just as a temporary measure from scores of mine, um, I suppose to try and get the feel of what a score from Harry was going to sound like. Um, and there were many cues from Narnia, um, um, other movies. There was a cue or two from Prince of Persia actually in there, uh, but there was there was a there was a, a cue that she had repeated a few times during the movie, um, which was from Spy Game, and it was that exact violin I'm talking about, the the Erhu. Um, so actually, when I came to score, when I started to compose the score for Mulan. Um, you know, I said to her, it's that's a great texture, isn't it? Don't, you know, it would be great if we should use use the Erhu, and she and uh, Nikki agreed. Uh, I found this amazing Erhu uh, player called Yvonne Wu, uh, who's a leading exponent of that very tricky instrument. Um, so that's actually one of the first um, one of the first cues that I wrote uh, uh, early on in the process was a moment as Mulan is leaving, has decided to leave the sanctity of her house, her home and her village. Uh, she, she steals her dad's sword and puts on his armor, puts on a disguise and off she goes. And at that moment, uh, you know, I tried, I tried a piece using Erhu and, and Nikki loved it. Um, and we went on to use that um, quite thematically throughout the movie. Uh, um, what other instruments did I did I discover that uh, I could kind of pepper throughout the score? The the, the, the Chinese harp, it's kind of a harp-like mm. instrument called a pipa. Um, again, a, a world-renowned player called Wu Man. Um, she was really tricky to get, uh, only because she was on tour, I think. 
<laughs> but there was one moment when uh, she had to be in San Diego. So we all got her, shipped her up to Los Angeles as soon as we found that out. Uh, and she played on, on many of the cues uh, I composed her. Uh, um, yeah, so, so the, the, the whole project was a, was a delight. And I, I loved the original movie. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd loved Jerry Goldsmith's score. So, you know, I, I'm sure I'd put myself in the firing line um, as any composer whose name isn't Jerry Goldsmith uh, would have done by doing, you know, scoring this movie. Because uh, to me, the Jerry Goldsmith score was beautiful. It was, it was actually one of the first uh, scores I'd really connected with of his when I'd become aware of it, as it were. Uh, and... Uh, and so, you know, it's, those are big boots to fill. Uh, 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 those are, it's quite alarming when really. he's set off on a, on a score. It's, it's alarming enough to, to, to jump onto a $200 million budgeted movie in the first place. But to know that I would be scoring a movie that a lot of people will have seen and related to the original movie of, and that score is by the very great and late Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, that was, yeah, it was pretty intimidating. Uh, weirdly enough, it wasn't the first time I've ever had that feeling concerning Jerry Goldsmith. Um, several years before, I was asked um, about my eldest daughter's, one of her best friends, uh, turned out to be Kate Beckinsale's daughter, Lily. Uh, she, my eldest daughter's the same age as Lily, and they grew up together. And one day, one day at, uh, it's a soccer game, I think, uh, I was watching Jesse play, and, um, Kate's uh, husband at the time, Len Wiseman, um, uh, or at least her partner, I don't know if it's her husband or not, um, uh, sidled up to me and said, uh, you know, uh, we were both watching our daughters play soccer. And he said, you know, it'd be great if, we, if you, uh, I've got this big thing brewing at Sony called Total Recall. Uh, it's going to be a kind of reimagining of, of, of that score. You know, would you like to do it? So I did go on to do it. And of course, Jerry had scored that thing. <laughs> and that was that that score is kind of a uh, part of a film score legend. So so yeah, it's it's uh, I guess that's something that one's bound to come across from time to time. Uh, I mean, I've done sequels, but they've been sequels of films that I've I've done. Uh, as you mentioned in your introduction, John Powell and I did the first Shrek. Um, and then uh John went off to do his his own other things, uh, and I, I was left to score Shrek 2, Shrek 3, Shrek 4, a um, couple of TV specials uh, with funny names. What were they? Oh, I know. A Halloween one, Scared Shrekless, and a Christmas one. What the heck was that called? Shrek the Holes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and, and a theme park ride and and all, all manner of things. So, so yes, th those were sequels, but at least I had done the original. And similarly, uh, with... Uh, with the Narnia, you know, I did, I did the first Narnia, I did the second Narnia. So yeah, jumping in on a, on a, uh, on, on, on a, a project like Mulan, knowing that a lot of people will have very, very strong thoughts about the first movie and the first movie's score and the, some of the songs that they, 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 that would probably remain in their consciousness for all these years from the first movie. Right. And that was, a, that was another challenge I had. And that was, you know, one of the first uh, sort of conundrums I had to to to, to work out how to how to uh, uh, how to present 
how to give the audience a little taste of something that would put them in mind from the first movie, intentionally put them in mind, not remind them that they weren't seeing something they wanted to see, but uh, give them a nice warm and fuzzy feeling. Uh, and that, Nikki and I decided that, uh, that probably the most memorable song perhaps was the uh, reflections from the first movie. Um, and if, if I could find a couple of spots to, to hint at, the, at that melody, then that would be like a sort of, I don't know, a little Easter egg for, for people. Um, so we chose a couple of spots in the movie where I was able to, to bring in the theme from, from that song. Uh, yeah, so. and, and Harry, I think one of the really wonderful instances of that where it's both woven in, but also complementing a very building theme is the four ounces can move a thousand pounds, that really great montage. It seemed like that was a natural place to fit it in because it illustrates her growth um, and, and gaining legitimacy, it, really. It yeah, it turned out to be, it's, it's, in retrospect, it looks pretty natural, but actually that it was, um, and I guess it is the, 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 the scene you're referring to does start with Mulan catching her reflection in the water, some water. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we went around the houses. We, we, we tried, um, we, you know, there was talk of, you know, should we even have Yifei, you know, the, the actress sing, sing reflection. Uh, and that seemed not a good idea. You know, this, this wasn't a musical that, 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 you know, way before I joined the project, I'm sure that the Disney creatives had, had thought, you know, oh, oh, should we be making a musical here? Should, should the actress stand there and think? And the answer was no, we're not going to do that. that was, so that's what happened in the first movie. doesn't need to happen in this one. So, so yeah, it wasn't going to be a vocal um, or it wasn't going to be an on-screen vocal. But um, actually we got, we, we, we got very far down the path of, okay, well, if we're not going to have your face sing it on camera, as it were, what about if we had her or somebody else singing, um, singing it, but... Uh, as a montage, as it were, not 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 uh, live on screen, as it were. Um, so I actually explored that, uh, and that again didn't feel quite right. It felt like you we you we were going to take the audience out of the movie by doing that. We, we, you know, it was going to be too too kind of noticeable. We wanted something um, less in your face. Um, and um, as it happened, I think when I realized when I understood that my task wasn't to just reorchestrate. Uh, the original song right at that spot, but rather, rather use the theme, but score the score the scene um, as if I was scoring with my own theme. So, in other words, it's actually quite a dark scene. You know, she's she's it's quite anxiety ridden, isn't it? I mean, she's she's saying, you know, what, what in, in the song she's singing, you know, why is it that I look at my reflection? I, who, who, when will I be able to see the person I really am, or, or whatever it is? And uh, uh, that's very questioning. Uh, and so the music that I created there was uh, instead of this very, if you listen to the original song, it's, it's a pretty song, but it does have a very kind of generic Disney arrangement orchestration. It's quite, um, you know, it's, a, it's, it's right out of that pocket. You, you'd recognize it to be a Disney song if you didn't know it um, uh, of that era. Uh, so rather than uh, follow the chord changes, um, I literally just used part of the part of the melody, the whole melody, after the film had, had shown. I think Nikki came to the stage and said, 
who, everybody who was in the audience, uh, you know, you're the first and almost certainly the last people who are going to see this in the cinema. <laughs> uh, the pandemic is hitting. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, this film's not going to be released in, in three weeks' time. We don't know when it will be, but it won't be, you know, because the premiere was 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 right, right up against the, the release date. Um, so actually, I feel really grateful to have been in the audience that night and that I was able to take my kids because she was right. The film never did appear in a theatre. Uh, so that was that. That was 2020, March, or was it late February? Um, yes. And, and uh, as you know, the film, the film went on to the Disney uh, Plus thing. And uh, I think a lot of people saw it. You know, maybe a lot of people, I, I actually don't know how, whether more people would have seen it because it was streamed or more people would see it if it were in a cinema. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But uh, no, it was, the whole project was very, very pleasurable. And uh, I had uh, just before, for uh, Mulan, I had just finished uh, a Disney Nature project, which was lovely. It's called uh, Disney Nature make uh, make. Uh, I think they make a, one movie a year. I mean, the, the, the output is pretty cool. much, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're uh, they're probably running out of animals. <laughs> they want to focus on that, but I know they've done bears, they've done uh, dolphins, they've done elephants, um, and actually. Uh, several years ago, I did monkeys. I did Monkey Kingdom for them, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Right. Uh, and then, yes, uh, a couple of years ago, yes, a couple of years ago, I did uh, I did penguins, which was an absolute delight. I mean, who doesn't like a penguin, for goodness sake? And uh, and the wonderful thing about these movies, as far as I was, I was concerned, is is that uh, you know Dis Disney treat them in a very respectful way in terms of. Yes, there was budget to fly me over to Abbey Road, record a proper orchestra, big choir, um, and and uh, you know one was able to get exactly what one wanted from the music. Uh, the pictures are always so epic and and extraordinary uh, and engaging, but uh, yeah, with penguins uh, that was absolute delight. And and actually, I'm I'm booked to to do another one. Um, at the end of this year, um, which is polar bears, so I'm, I'm really looking to that. Yeah. Uh, so yes, I've I've been very fortunate to to have done these Disney nature movies, and uh, I really respect their desire to keep making these things because they they are beautiful movies and they're completely timeless, and 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 from a composing point of view, they they always present something slightly different. You know, with every with every movie. Uh, a different animal uh, it presents a different challenge with the score. So having done uh, monkeys and penguins, yes, I'm going to be setting sail on polar bears later this year. That sounds very exciting. So you just need it. It seems like you're covering all parts of the globe as well from right Asia <laughs> and monkey kingdom to with penguins and then polar bears. So you need to yeah, do something in yeah, South America. Yeah, quite. I've never done anything like that. Now, monkey kingdom. Yeah, that was awesome. The monkeys that they focused on. Uh, were lived in live in Sri Lanka, so there was a very um, shall we say an Indian influence I could sprinkle the score with there. Um, and penguins, well, uh, penguins was interesting because I mean, as you know, these penguins are black and white, and where they live is pretty monochrome as well. There's no there's no greenery, there's no trees, there's no foliage. Uh, 
Uh, and interestingly enough, on uh, the first time, the first music review I had with uh, the director, Alistair Fothergill and Jeff Wilson, um, they came to my studio and I think I played them, you know, I played my first, first cue. Uh, and I was pretty happy with it. It was kind of a march, uh, we called it the Penguin March. Um, and it, uh, to me, it seemed like it was doing all the right things. And I played the cue and, and they, they both loved it. They both smiled, said, well, this is great. Um, just the only thing is, I'd like you just to consider this. You know, penguins can't smile. They don't smile. They can't smile. They don't have the muscles in their cheeks to smile. You're going to have to do a lot of smiling for us. Uh, and I interpreted that as my orchestration, which was quite standard for this, for, for this march, um, actually could afford to be much more quirky. Um, so whereas I had, it was pretty full on orchestral, uh, this cue at this point, you know, I was able to include um, some kind of grunting saxophones downstairs, a ukulele, um, much, you know, I was able to really, uh, really make the orchestrations far more colorful than I thought I, I, I was going to have to. Um, and this, this brought a, a whole different uh, complexion to, to, to the movie, because as I say, the movie is pretty black and white. These penguins don't smile. Whereas the story that the movie tells is, is actually really funny and sweet. Uh, so yeah, these, 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 um, these movies are lovely. I, I feel very, very lucky to have done them. But as you know, um, you know, obviously variety is the spice of life, as they say. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yes, to go from penguins to Mulan to, um, I just finished a movie for Ridley Scott called The Last Duel. That'll be coming out in October or November this, this year. And it's set in, uh, hello, 14th century France. Uh, so you know, I had to put my medieval hat on there. So yeah, as a composer, one's always looking for these, for, for different challenges. And, uh, uh, and Disney have played a, a huge part in that uh, for me in the last 25 years, you know, going from Armageddon to Prince of Persia, to The Rock, to, um, I game uh, to these 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 uh, wonderful Disney nature things, and and to culminating in, in Mulan. Well, and what I appreciate about what you're saying, and it really crystallized as you explained that, is you're not only covering a variety of genres, but also different places, different different times in history, and that also prompts you and gives you the opportunity to experiment with different instruments. And I know in um, in previous interviews, you've talked about just the importance of, of just kind of learning through playing. And, and I guess I'm wondering how that approach really has behooved your process in whether it be in, in Mulan per, in particular, or perhaps other projects as well, just that notion of learning through doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the, uh, as, with, as with so many things in life, you know, it's, it's all a work in progress. Um, I don't think you'll ever speak to a composer who feels he's arrived at where he's headed because that would be very stagnant, wouldn't it? I think we're we're all we're all looking for fresh challenges, and uh, you know, when one looks back on on some scores, uh, you know, I, I don't listen to my past scores, but you know, I might flick on the the TV for my kids, and boom, there's Chicken Run, uh, or or whatever it is, uh, or Arthur Christmas. That's uh, one of my personal favorite animations from Ardman. Uh, uh, and you know, I'll it might be in the middle of a middle of a queue, and I'll hear what I'm doing and think, eh, I could probably do that differently if I did it now. But uh, you know, I think one just has to 
uh, to be fairly satisfied and then move on. But um, I'm, I'm grateful for the for the variety of opportunities that I've had, and uh, that certainly helps to keep things fresh. Yeah, and, well, and I was even thinking about with with Mulan and the main theme, which I feel has a very lovely rolling motion to it. And I, if I correct, I believe did you incorporate the gazang and and some other Chinese yeah. instruments in that? Yes, absolutely. You know, I, I, I uh, the way I generally go about these things is to write write a theme and uh, probably at the piano. And have, I had Nikki come down to my studio uh, from from Disney, and uh, you know, she she sat beside me and heard what I played, and you know, she smiled. I, I think a lot lot of it is is just read, reading the room. You know, uh, I felt I felt pretty confident that I had the right theme that I was going to need, and, and that's the thing. Once, well, you know, one writing a, a a melody that one's intending to use throughout the film and develop, one's got to make sure it's the right one. Uh, and the only real way of finding that out is to is to is to work it, you know, is to is to start scoring scoring uh, moments in the film and see if it is malleable enough and see it is it it, it has the uh, it has the elements that one needs to be able to do this. Uh, and I think that's that's actually like one of the biggest challenges. You know, when I think uh, back to the Shreks, for instance, the theme I wrote for. Uh, the princess and it became kind of the movie theme uh, it's a very simple tune in c minor and i wrote it in three four as a kind of delicate fairy tale theme little did i know but you know come i don't know shrek 2 it might have to present itself as a hollywood awards theme well as concerns shrek my goodness over over the course of four movies i, I really had to work that little theme but uh <laughs> So that's that's you know that's how things go. So so with the with the rather delicate lilting Mulan theme that I originally wrote for one of the more um, reflective moments, um, I had to see if that, that would work for her once she got her her, uh, her disguise off and and uh, got down to the business of being a warrior. So yeah, I had to change the meter, change the key, uh, and. Yeah, manipulate the 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 order of the notes, the the way the way the theme's presented, in order to portray heroism, uh, and instead of uh, a soft soft side of her, which is the side of her we we first meet, we first meet her as a child, uh, in a very playful scene chasing a chicken over the roof. Uh, so that didn't need to be heroic at all, but it needs to be somewhat mischievous and uh, childlike. And it seemed to me that that. You know that, that that putting her in three four in E minor was was the place I wanted to be, uh, but as I say, that's 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 that actually encapsulates the job really is trying to find ways of telling the story, um, or helping amplify the story, uh, whilst manipulating one's theme, thematic material. Sure, Harry. How long did you have to work on the project? Quite a long time, um, not. Because of, uh, I'm sure if you asked me about any number of movies I, I've done, well, last three or four movies, I, the last three or four movies I, I, I'd done in 2020 and early 2021, uh, they all delayed, you know, all got delayed uh, in some respect because of COVID. Uh, but with Mulan, I had longer than I thought I would have. 
only because the the uh, the post production period was 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 already planned to be very lengthy. So I had plenty of time. So yeah, I don't have any excuses. <laughs> I had plenty of time to 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 do what I had to do and to experiment and to uh, collaborate and make sure that everybody at Disney was happy with what I was doing. Oh, I think yeah. it. I think I probably had eighteen months or something. Wow. Wow. Well, it served it served the film very well. I think the the, the end product is is a score that is both enchanting and and exhilarating to listen to independently and certainly within the filmatic context. Um, certainly uh, uplifts and enhances what we see visually. Right. Good. I'm glad you like it. <laughs> yeah, to say the least, I quite enjoyed it. And uh, I guess I'm wondering, uh, to, to use the notion of reflection, if you were to reflect on this project and, and your biggest takeaway in having crafted the score, what stands out to you? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, when I think of Mulan now, as I told you, I'm, I'm several scores down the road since then. But when I look back on that, uh, I'm just pleased to have, have, have done a, you know, a significant movie for Disney again. You know, I've, I've, I, as we've discussed earlier, uh, I've been lucky enough to do quite a few movies of all sorts of different uh, genres, from the rock to Armageddon to Prince of Persia to these Disney nature movies. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've always had such a great experience with Disney. They are very respectful towards music. They know the power of music within their films, and they uh, accommodate. You know that they, they, they come up with the the right budgets in in order to 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 realize the music to its full potential. You know, I was very lucky to be able to experience experiment with many brilliant uh, Chinese players. Uh, you know, maybe go down a path that wasn't working, and then pedal my way back up that path, and then find another path to go down. And that sort of thing one can't expect to do sometimes on, say, a low budget movie where you you'd blow the budget. And that would be that. Uh, uh, but Disney, you know, stood by me and 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 encouraged me to experiment. Yeah. So that's that's about it. No, I I have great memories of Mulan. Well, I'm glad to hear it, and I'm glad to hear too that your relationship with the studio will continue with the polar bear feature and um, and more projects as well. Harry, can we, let's conclude with some um, Disney music opinion-related questions um, that I ask all of my guests. Um, these are, again, opinions, so no right or wrong answers. And I'm wondering, is there a Disney soundtrack that you listened to most while growing up? The Jungle Book. The Jungle Book, without a question. <laughs> it's my favorite. I, as I told you, I, my brothers and my sister and me all could sing that the entire uh, soundtrack from beginning to end uh, and and uh not just the songs I, I i knew all the score which is beautiful uh yeah the the jungle book i sensed that from what you said earlier but i didn't want to assume and what poignance too for you to have, have worked on the tigger movie again the common thread there being the sherman brothers for the jungle oh, book yeah. songs and, uh, it was, that was really perfect that's a great memory i have uh, wonderful Harry, is there a Disney song that most recently became stuck in your head? Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> one that I co-wrote for Milan, uh, Loyal Brave True, <laughs> uh, which is based heavily on my theme for Milan uh, in the score. So uh, yeah, I'd say if that qualifies, I don't know whether that qualifies to answer yeah. your question. 
correctly. But yeah, that got pretty much stuck in my head throughout 2019 and 2020, I can tell you. Uh, we were so lucky to have Christina Aguilera uh, want to sing it. Uh, and it, it, the, the way that the song came together was, was uh, most unexpected, really. Uh, and it was, yeah, it was based on my, my uh, theme for Mulan. And, and uh, yeah, that was a bit of a, an earworm for a while. I admit in, in light of uh, preparing for my conversation with you, I was listening uh, to both the score and, and that song uh, very much. And that too has become stuck in my head in the very best way. So, yeah. um, and, and yeah, what I appreciated about it too is that there was a direct connection to, to the theme from the film. So it felt very natural. Yeah. yeah. Third music question, what Disney film do you feel has the most underrated music? And I will say you are allowed to insert one of your own scores if you believe it fits the criteria. I wouldn't agree with it. Um, underrated, oh goodness. Well, uh, oh, uh, that's an unexpected question. I'm not really aware of scores being underrated. Um, oh, I don't know. Um, so in other words, a score that I've enjoyed that others perhaps haven't, is that what you mean? Yeah, or perhaps scores that people don't talk about because the films themselves are not necessarily the most right. popular. So however you want to interpret it. Well, I said I wasn't gonna, uh, oh, yes. No, I actually, I don't really have an answer for you there. I, I don't know, I, I can't think of something that was underrated. It was a Disney movie that should have been rated more highly. No, the ones that, the ones that that I've mentioned that I loved, like for instance, the original Mulan, uh, the Jungle Book. There, I think they're rated really highly. That's what gave me such a headache trying to score the uh, reimagining of Mulan. I, I hear you. I will say, I think um, of your many scores for Disney, I, I quite love Prince of Persia and the main theme, and um, oh. because the film was kind of overlooked, I feel like the score consequently doesn't get the love that it should. Oh, thank you. And uh, final question for you, this is random. Um, so this varies with each guest. Is there a significant piece of knowledge that you learned about something in the world of music while working on a Disney film score? Well, I learned that the exquisite beauty of the Chinese instrument, the erhu, belies the fact of how bloody complicated it is to play. Uh, and how disastrous uh, it can sound in the, in the hands of the wrong the wrong player. Um, I actually bought myself an air who I, I, I studied violin when I was little. I haven't played it for years and years and years for good reason. <laughs> uh, I thought, well, how difficult could it be? Uh, yeah, that is a complex instrument with no room, no manu- you can no maneuvering room for, for error. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, when I had uh, this amazing girl, Yvonne, Yvonne Wu, play, I realized that this, yeah, let's, let's, not, let's not tinker with things that we're not quite uh, expert at. Does that make any sense? Yeah, well, and, and I liked how it was incorporated in the score, and I had seen some behind-the-scenes features um, regarding uh, its incorporation. So I'm glad that that presented itself within the context of the score. Yeah. Finally, Harry, how can listeners follow your work um, as well as you on social media? 
Uh, well, I'm not really much of a social media sort of chappy, really. Uh, but I do have a Facebook page, which is my name. But, you know, one of my brothers, uh, Ben, he named his second son after me. <laughs> so, incredibly, there are two Harry Gregson Williamses on the planet. <laughs> I think there would be. So, there is a Facebook page <laughs> with my name. But there's also, you know, if you go to one and you see a whippersnapper, actually, he's not such a whippersnapper now. He's got to be in his early 20s. He's a doctor, I think, in London. Uh, that's not me. <laughs> that's my nephew. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm there somewhere kicking around on Facebook, uh, some sort of a Facebook page. And certainly we have scores to look forward to you in the coming year. You mentioned The Last Duel, among others. Absolutely. And uh, I... Uh, uh, Another film that I did during COVID, which took far longer than it should have done uh, because of COVID, uh, but we completed it uh, just a few weeks ago now, is a Paramount film called Infinite with Mark Wahlberg in it. It's great fun. It's kind of an action movie. Fantastic. Many different spaces to hear your work. Harry, it's been such a wonderful time talking with you. Really appreciate you joining me on Notably Disney. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks a lot, Brad. Thank you. And thank you again to Harry Gregson Williams for joining me on Notably Disney. It was such a pleasure to talk with him and learn from him and even glean a few tidbits about his forthcoming work, including for The Last Duel and Disney Nature's Polar Bears. So thank you again, Harry. And I would encourage all listeners, of course, to check out Harry's very long list of credits, including Nikki Caro's Mulan, which is just such a beautiful score. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of Notably Disney. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Follow me on Twitter at bnachmanreports. That's B-N-A-C-H-M-A-N reports. And be among the first to find out about the release of new episodes. I also encourage you to send me an email to notablydisney at gmail.com regarding your thoughts of the show, as well suggestions for content. So until we turn the page on another chapter, I'm Brett, and thanks for listening to Notably Disney. Notably Disney is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or any of its subsidiaries. Consequently, the perspectives and opinions expressed by the host and guests are strictly theirs and do not represent the views of the Walt Disney Company and its employees. The main purpose of the Notably Disney podcast is to offer information and critiques about the Walt Disney Company.